Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Plenty of time to catch up over tea and coffee after the service, um, but uh, great to have you with us. And again, maybe for, for those who've come in from the other rooms, thank you very much for being here. Please feel welcomed. You're among family. And uh, if you haven't already done so, one of these blue connect belong forms will really help you get a bit more established with the church family. One of our staff team will call you up during the week and just share a bit about ourselves and hopefully about yourself so we can journey together. Um, So yeah, please do that if you haven't done that already and you want to know more. Um, There's always the internet our website as well. But I just wanted to share, uh, we have a new job opportunity, uh, well, coming up, and uh, wanted to share a little bit about it now, and and more will be shared on the internet soon. We'll upload it. But um, we are looking to uh, add somebody to the staff team uh, with the role, particularly of children and family support worker. And that's really working with zero to five age brackets. So uh, their role will be to help already do what what we're already running uh, and uh, what's already established, but also to establish new groups as well. But particularly for the age range of naught to fives and working with parents and uh, carers. And in that way, we also want that role to provide an opportunity for one-to-one personal and pastoral and practical support. And with that as well, particularly to look into trainer. It's a desirable, but really to help out with special needs as well. We're just seeing, um, yeah, we've just got a heart to help out with what could be seen as quite a a particular difficult way to support somebody. That's where we want to give more of our time to. And with that job, there will be an opportunity to hopefully launch more things or build on what's already there to help us reach our local community and serve them best. So you've heard it from me. And uh, if that interests you or you think of somebody, you think, oh, they would be great for the job, please do email me. And um, I will forward that email onto somebody else, and uh, uh, and uh, they'll get into contact. But um, I believe we're, we're looking for maybe a, a part-time role of 20 hours to help with children and family support worker early years in brackets naught to five. So uh, please do uh, pass the word around. Fantastic. And uh, just before we go into the word today, just wanted to take the opportunity to pray again. And uh, we, we were praying for uh, people who are feeling under the weather or sick. Uh, as uh, you may could tell, I'm not 100%, but I, I know of others in our church family, including Carl, and uh, bless him, his, uh, his firstborn, Micah, hasn't been too well. So I just thought, you know, there's people in the family who are sick. Uh, let's, let's pray. Let's make the time whilst we're gathered here together and for those of you uh, at home as well. So please join me as we pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you, you're so faithful and kind. But not only that, you're almighty, you're all-powerful. And we thank you that Jesus died and rose again. He's the resurrected King of heaven. He's victorious over death. And so, Lord God, we cry out to you right now.
right now and just simply ask that you'd bring your healing hand, your healing touch into the lives of those who are struggling and suffering, Lord God, whether it be some sort of physical ailment, something in the body or mental health, Lord God, we pray by your spirit you'd bring healing, Lord God. We, we thank you for the great gifts of doctors and surgeons and doctors and wh whatever, the medical profession, Lord God. But we thank you that you ultimately are our healer. And we do call upon you to intervene and uh, to make way. Would you deliver us? Would you restore us? Would you make us strong? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, it's my privilege today to be sharing the word with you. It's uh, Sabbatical Reflections Part 2. And if you didn't already know, my name is David. And um, I've been away for three months. I got it wrong in the first service. So I said three weeks. <laughs> no, I've been away for three months. And uh, I got up to different things. But that really was to take some time out to rest, but to, to seek after the Lord, and uh, I believe uh, he found me <laughs> whilst I was seeking for him. And uh, last week, to kickstart off some sabbatical reflections, uh, I took us to uh, Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua chapter 1, what you'll find there is that it's actually a leadership transition from Moses uh, to Joshua. And in the discourse there, because, because currently we are going through a baton passing of leadership from Tim and Helen to myself in September. But what was really important that we pulled out from Joshua last week is how in this leadership transition, God has charged Joshua to obey and follow all his commands. And so we, we started off there and then um, we moved into the New Testament and we looked at Jesus being questioned by a scribe or an expert in the law, asking, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers here, to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And the second is like that, is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so last week, we, we spent most of our time, all of our time, looking about loving the Lord wholeheartedly. That is the initial, that is the foundation. And so today, as part two, we're going to move into what it means to love your neighbor. And the fantastic thing is, we get to follow Jesus and see how Jesus shows us to love our neighbor. And so there's commands that Jesus gives in the New Testament, and there's quite a few, but we're going to look at two commandments that Jesus gives that just helps us go deeper in understanding what was already there, how to love God and how to love people, how to love the Lord and how to love our neighbor. And uh, I don't know about you, but on the journey of loving somebody or something or an experience, have you ever noticed how what you thought you appreciated something, you thought you loved something, but then as you journey with it, you realize you love it all the more, or you love that person even more? But it just so happens, during my sabbatical, when I had an opportunity to go to Israel, I learned, you guys may already know this, but I learned I love ice cream. But not only do I love ice cream, I loved it even more in Israel when it's like 40 degrees heat. And not only that, I got to learn more about ice cream. Guys, did you know in Israel, there's ice cream, there's a magnum that is covered in white chocolate and it's pistachio. 
on the inside. I mean, the more I got to know about ice cream, I'm telling you right now, the more I fell in love with it. Now, now there's the Magnum side of things, and there's also the Cornetto side of things. And this Cornetto, I ate it. And as I was eating it, I dare say, I had to WhatsApp my sister and take pictures progressively as I ate this because there was pistachio chocolate and ice cream on the inside. And then if that wasn't good enough, guys, the king of ice cream is gelato, yeah? And so I, and I was falling more and more in love with ice cream. This is the depth of what Jesus can do to your life. Not about ice cream, but about God. You may think you love God, and I thought I shared a bit about that last week, but I realized as Jesus journeyed with me, and Jesus revealed more of the Father to me, as I got to know more about the Father and his grace and his love and his kindness, I grew more in love with him. Interesting thing is, though, when you say about knowing people, sadly, the case may be the more you get to know people, sometimes it's more difficult to love them, right? Let's be honest, you know them more now, I don't want to. But the more we get to know about God, the more you get to know about his love for you, the more you actually get a heart, his heart for people and how to love people. And so we come back to this greatest commandment, part two, B, if you will, of love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus shows us how to love our neighbor. And so the first command we're going to look at Jesus saying um, that applies to this, you can find in John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. And then immediately after that, we're going to read John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. And this all happens on the same evening. And it's in, my, it's in a double-page spread in my Bible, but most of you are probably online or doing it on your app. So turn on. Let's get in this. Verse 34, this is what Jesus says to his disciples. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus later on, same evening, the evening of the Last Supper, the evening of the betrayal, the evening where he's arrested, he says this to his disciples again. Verse 12 in chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business, uh, does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that, that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name and the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. In the Greek, so it progresses to each other in chapter 15, but in the original Greek, you will find it say, love one another. 
The first point of loving your neighbor today is love one another like Jesus. Remember, we mentioned the agape love last week. There's four kind of understandings of love in the Greek in Jesus' day. And Jesus asks us to love with agape love, which is selfless, which is sacrificial, which is a divine love. So therefore, to love people, to love one another, it actually takes God's love in us to do that, to love them as God would call us to love. The point is love one another like Jesus. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, his followers. Interestingly, in the discourse, if, you, if you're reading through this, you'll see that Judas has actually gone to betray Jesus already. He's left the scene. He's left the context. So Jesus is talking to his disciples who are still following him trying at least to follow him, because we know, and we'll talk about in a bit, that Peter <laughs> ends up rejecting Jesus, at least in front of a, of a crowd. We are to love one another like Jesus. These are believers. We are to love the believers. We're, we're, we're here to love the household of faith. We're here to love the family of faith. We're here, if you want to put it in another word, distinction, we're here to love church like Jesus. Jesus is specifically talking to followers of his teaching, of his way. So I know when we hear about loving others, do to others as you'd have them do unto you, but particularly here in Jesus' command, we get in this context that Jesus is commanding us to love other Christians as he loves us in a sacrificial way, in a way that may be uncomfortable, in a way that might be difficult. But this is the love that we're called to love by, to put others before our own. Whilst I was away on sabbatical, I had the opportunity to go to Israel, not just to eat ice cream. I went to see some various landmarks and things. But not only that, not only did I get to see really old rocks and cisterns and walls and things like that, I got to go with 44 incredible people. It's part of this Oak Hall experience, and we, we all went there, and um, we had a great time together. And I know this is a unique situation. I know this is a unique event. But um, I just felt God really speak to me in this. People have asked me uh, when they've caught up with me in various places, um, oh, David, when you were in Israel, did you feel God's presence? Or did you feel God speak to you in certain places because of the places you were? And last week, you heard, yes, I did hear God speak to me, but it wasn't particularly where the tourists would, would go or where those significant moments were. It was simply where I was intentionally seeking after God. God came and met me. But I feel that one of the most significant, significant things that God spoke to me was, was through 44 other people. And God showed me a picture of what church can be like. And I know, again, this is a one-off sort of event, but imagine 44 people who don't know one another coming together, walking in the heat of the day together, chatting together, having meals together. Every morning, we had a devotional together. We woke up and we prayed together. In the evenings, we'd have a time of worship together. We'd have a Bible study together. We'd pray together. 
when people needed things or people had forgotten things, people needed money, they supported one another. They connected to one another. And it was only 10 short days. Well, 11, but it felt like 10 short days. And um, I know you could say it's a personality type. If you know me, I love to lean in and know people. And I, you know, I made a list of all 44 people and got to know them and write down things so I could pick up conversation with them. But God was sharing with me that despite us not knowing one another, despite us being in the same place together, despite maybe we've come on holiday together, holiday on this thing because of Israel, the reason we were there was because of our love for him. We were in Israel because we wanted to see Israel, but that's not what has brought us together, really. What brought us together was Jesus. Jesus being the center of our relationships. And, and, you know, it was an intense, crazy, sort of one-off context, but people really opened up. People shared, and I just felt God sharing, this is my church, David. We weren't a church, but this is what it means to love one another as I have loved you. And that, I believe, is a prophetic picture of what we can have here, or what God is shaping us, molding us, and, and he's championing us to, to become a family of faith that loves one another as Jesus has loved them. Now, let's just bring that back to that agape. Let's go that bit deeper. When Jesus talks about agape love, we really know what agape love is because Jesus, the king of heaven, left heaven and came subject to us on earth and even to the process of a human's development from being born a baby, to growing up a child, to becoming a man, he, he's the king of heaven. Guys, he's God. And, and he subjected himself. He became obedient to our own developmental process, which he created. In, in Israel, 2,000 years ago, that was a decision they made, God made. Not only that, he, he came to earth at a time where they were under Roman occupation. Jesus lived obedient and submitted to Roman occupation for his life. Not only that, we talked about the, the commands of the Lord, the Torah. There's 613 of them, I think. And um, he submitted unto them. He lived the religious lifestyle of a Jew, ritualistic lifestyle. And the Torah is all about him. It's for him, and he submitted unto that. And then if that isn't mad enough for you guys to blow your mind, Jesus then surrendered himself to death on a cross, a death he didn't deserve, a sinner's death, and he willingly and obediently went to the cross to die so that our sins could be forgiven and that we could have a relationship restored with our Father in heaven, so that all the consequences of the wrong stuff we've done are dealt with once and for all, once and for all on the cross when you have faith in Jesus. This is how Jesus has chosen to love each and every one of us. That's his free gift, a grace gift, to receive that love and mercy in new life. But it is a gift for us to receive. And Jesus did that all the while, remember, John chapter 13 to 15, he did that for Peter. Knowing Peter was in his own way going to betray him. He even did that for Judas. He even did it for Judas. 
but Judas didn't receive the gift by faith. And his end was a sad one, but we will talk about Peter in a bit. During my sabbatical, I also did a course to help me out with line management. And I think this is timely. So I did do a bit of work whilst I was on sabbatical. With all the stuff that's going on when we've talked about safeguarding and morality, but there's this other thing of just whistleblowing and working standards. And during this time of studying, what what really encouraged me, as I was learning or asking and reading about and having to write an assessment, which I passed, by the way, there was... There was a question about like setting objectives, tasks. And I realized through this process how, how results-driven we are, right? And how we care so much about generating revenue or building customers and influence and, and being successful. And there are means. There, there's re- we, as a church family, you'll know you have a church staff team. So we are an organization as well as an organism. And therefore, there are professional standards, and we want to get this right. We want to be integrous before the Lord, right? And especially when you see things fall apart, we're like, well, God, we don't want that to happen to us. We want to serve wholeheartedly. And um, as I was looking through this, and I was reading through, and I wrote these answers, I came to a point of saying, There's all, it's, it's all good saying these things that we're hoping to do. And, and it's great to have these objectives and tasks to help people, but if... If we're not loving one another, then we've missed the point already. See, loving one another isn't simply about turning up to church on a Sunday. It's not even helping out or attending events that will reach the community. Good things as well. It's not simply liking or hearting our social media account out there in the ether for people to see, sharing it on. It's not simply loving the staff team or the teams that help. It's not even just loving the building. And these things are great. Please love all those things. But what's most important is to love one another like Jesus has loved us, like Jesus loves you. It's really important to realize if we make church the center, then when the church messes up, people really get hurt and they leave. See, when Jesus is the center, when the shaking happenings and and all the bad stuff happens, because Jesus is the center, he's the foundation, he's the firm, solid rock which will never fail. When Jesus is the center of our relationships, when Jesus is the center of who we are and why we are, then when things fall apart, when things go away, you know what? One thing remains, Jesus and our love for one another. People leave church because they've made church the center. And I, I, I don't, I'm not making a theology about mega church, but where we're seeing things dismantle and fall apart there is because Jesus isn't the center. That's not me pointing the finger. That's just simply, that's the truth in the word. If Jesus isn't the firm foundation you're building things on, including your life, including your relationships, then when push comes to shove, when the storms come, those things will fall apart. And so when I say love one another like Jesus, this is what I really mean. Make Christ, Christ alone, make Christ the center of our relationships. Let's turn, if you will, to Galatians chapter 6. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 10. And this is Paul now speaking, the Apostle Paul. And he's speaking to a church. 
I say this because sometimes I feel like I can apply this to out there in the world, to my non-Christian brothers and sisters or friends and family. But listen to this. Paul says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. In the church, caught in sin. We're not a bunch of perfect people. Remember what I said last week? Well, what I heard from your sabbatical. We're all broken people in different states of repair. God is constantly just rebuilding us. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own uh, own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially. Can I get you all to say especially? Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I make no apology for it, but there's a preference here in Scripture to make sure you're loving the family of faith. We've got to get this, people. I, I understand we're to love our neighbor. And I know we think of a physical place when we think neighbor. But here, Jesus gives us a new command in the New Testament. And it's to love one another, the family of faith, believers, Christians, as he loves us. We're to love one another with that sincerity, with that care. Now, Jesus, when he said that command, obviously he knows Peter. And he prophesies about Peter. He's going to mess up. And uh, Peter later on denies Jesus on the same night three times, says, I don't know him. And uh, later on, when Jesus rises again, one of his resurrection appearances, not the first one, but maybe, I know, some say the fourth one, he meets with Peter again to, to rebuild that relationship, to forgive him, but actually to fix what was broken there and to help Peter. Whilst I was away in Israel, I went to the shore where this happened. It was called Tabga. Here it is. And uh, what really blew my mind whilst I was here, we were learning about it. And the, uh, the, the guy, teacher, was saying, that, you know, by the shore, this is where Jesus, I love this, the resurrected Jesus died and rose again, you know, dealt with the enemy, dealt with the accusation, dealt with sin, death, shame, all that kind of stuff. And he's here cooking breakfast, <laughs> cooking fish by the fire. But what I never noticed before, because unfortunately my NIV didn't show it to me, um, the mention is hot coals. So the person who was sharing the tour was like, he didn't need to use hot coals. Not, that's a strange thing. Not you just use wood, you know, you'll buy it by the But there's a specific reason he used hot coals. Where did Peter deny Jesus three times? By hot coals. He was warming himself by hot coals. 
And Jesus, in his love, care, and mercy, and his commitment to Peter, after going to the cross and rising again, he cooks fish on hot coals. He brings Peter back to the place of hot coals where he'd wronged Jesus. And Jesus chooses that place to be a place to feed him. And then if you know the story, John chapter 21, you can look at it later. Jesus says to Peter, feed my lambs three times. Actually, we don't have time for it, but he also says, do you love me? And that, that's really interesting because Jesus used agape, love. And uh, you may know, Peter says, yes, I do. But he says, filio, love. And that's what really hurt Peter because he couldn't say agape at this time. Well, we know he goes on to love Jesus with that agape, selfless love. And it's even implied in the passage. Could it be, guys, within our church family, maybe in this room, but maybe those who are Christians that we know of and friends and family, we've had some hot, cold moments where offense has been made or we've made a mistake or we've, we've been wrong or we've been wronged. Remember, Jesus was the one who was wronged, yet he was the one pursuing reconciliation. May it be that Jesus is bringing us back and could bring you back to a time you've forgotten or a bitterness or something you've been carrying that isn't right. God wants to bring you back to that hot coal to feed you and the other person, to strengthen you so that you can go on to love others, to feed others. Jesus cares enough to help us be free of the loads we shouldn't be carrying. Jesus wants to deal with this first and foremost. We can't love God and then choose to hold something against a brother or sister. We'll talk about that in a bit again. Finally, the second command that we're going to look at that Jesus gives, you can find at the end of Matthew's gospel. It's the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, and we'll read it. I'll read it to you um, from verse 16 to the end. And this Great Commission's in every gospel, by the way. This is how important it was to the gospel writers. This is what it says in Matthew's version. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. There you go. Just a bit of humanity from the disciples. Still there, some doubted. Yet, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So now, Jesus speaking to his disciples or apostles, he's speaking to them to go and make disciples of unbelievers. See, not only are we called to love one another like Jesus, we're actually called to love the lost like Jesus too. And we don't have time to unpack that, but hopefully you'd realize in, in how much Jesus pursued his own disciples and people, how much Jesus through the, through the gospels, how he just pursued different people all the time. He went after the lost. He went after the missing. He, he gave the example of the lost sheep. He cares so much for those who do not yet know him. 
that he wants to bring them into a relationship with him so that he can be the center of their lives. It's really important that as a church, we love the lost like Jesus. And we are to become disciples. Disciples are followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus. I feel like the word gets lost when we call ourselves Christians, although that is what we are. Christian means mini Christ. So we're a mini Christ follower. So we're trying to be like Jesus. But it can become so easy. Make disciples, make converts. Jesus didn't say make converts. That's part of the discipleship journey, a conversion from darkness to light, from being lost to being found, from being dead to being made alive in Christ. But what does it say in the Great Commission? It says, make disciples, but then it says later on, teaching them to obey everything. Guys, we're all on this journey together, relearning and learning Jesus' teachings. We're all in progress. We're all being shaped and molded by him and his teachings. And so it's not enough for us to love the lost, to simply get them out of the trouble they're in. It's to continue to therefore then move from loving the lost to loving one another, loving the newborn Christian, the born again, loving the infant in Christ through to maturity and us too. One of the things I was looking at, I'll come back to the um, line management course. So much is about breadth these days, numbers and things. What God really cares about is the breadth. He came for the whole world, but he cares about depth, people. Deep in prayer. Not just praying up here, but deep in prayer. He, he cares about the depth of our journey and our depth of our commitment with him. We're called to make disciples, and we do that by loving the lost. And I want to just share here that I know this is for disciples. I know this was for the 11 or, you know, the, the apostles, we now know them. But this is actually a command to all of us, not just to the leaders. This role and responsibility to make disciples, to teach people in the commands that Jesus has already taught us and in the word, that, that's for all of us. Nobody should be shirking that responsibility. It's not simply maybe an idea of like, well, I'll get them here to this point or to this service or to this event, and I've done my bit. No, it's about all of us taking the responsibility to share what God has shared with us, the teachings he shared with us. We're all called to be salt and light. I love this idea of salt and light, the little sort of parable that Jesus used because he says, when you're salt and light, and he's talking good deeds here, this is Matthew chapter five or six, he says, then they will see their father in heaven and give praise to him. It's not see how good you are at being a Christian, loving people as we love Christ. When people see how we love one another, that's how they will know we're Christ's disciples and they're discipled in that process. Wow, how good is that? Many of us may have a, a light switch at home where it's a dimmer switch. I feel like in life, in time, in, in the age that we're in, it's not just you either shine bright for Jesus or you don't. You're, you're in your darkness, you're doing your own thing. But we have a dimmer switch to our faith, right? And I'll, I'll be the first to put my hands up. There's certain contexts or relationships where I like the dimmer switch has been turned down, right? And thank God he's not finished with me. Because I believe it's God's heart and will for us all to just turn by the Holy Spirit, turn and change us so that we shine brighter 
unapologetic that what we're sharing is life, literally life. And yet I'm on this journey of being like, oh, damage control, damage control on the relationship, damage control on a person's perception of me or Christ or... Let's turn up the dimmer switch for Jesus. He deserves us to be shining bright, to be a lamp, you know, a light on top of a lamp, not under a bowl, not under a dimmer switch. To love the lost like Jesus, you must make Christ's message, his gospel, central in our lives. And um, I'm not coming with a formula today. There isn't a formula for us. There'll be certain strategies and things we'll use in season and out of season. God will make us move in different ways. God will use you in different ways. But let me just get back to the heart of the matter. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible is in Acts chapter 2. It's just following Pentecost. And um, 120 are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter shares his first sermon. And uh, 3,000 people are baptized following that. And then it says this about the believers from verse 42, chapter 2, 42. They, the believers, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So I bring it back round full circle. It seems that when we love one another as a church family, as Christ loves us, God multiplies us. God reaches the lost in us and through us. There's many things that we could say about this passage and unpack it, but one thing that hit me in my um, sabbatical was, whilst I was in Aberdeen, God really grabbed my heart with this, is the word devotion. It didn't say the apostles were devoted said the church was. So our role is to stay devoted to Jesus. There's four things you can pull out from that scripture, but it was their devotion. Wasn't the person on your left, wasn't the person on the right, wasn't the staff team, the volunteer team. It was ours. It was the family's devotion, the community of faith. You can read more about it in chapter four, where it talks about there in one in mind, one in heart. Guys, I want to encourage you as we seek to obey God's commands and the greatest commandment to love God, with, to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our mind, and to love our neighbor, not simply as we love ourselves, but now as God, Christ calls us to love, but to love our neighbor as Christ has loved us, to love one another. We will see people come to know Jesus. It's just God's economy. It's his kingdom. So as we respond now, I think it's important that we come back to our hearts and to give time for the Lord to just examine our hearts, to say if there's any offensive way in us, if there's things relationally wrong in us, Lord God, would you, in your mercy, help us? Maybe it's just a commitment today, a commitment to going back to those hot coals, those fiery conversations and to hear God minister to us and through us to bring reconciliation. 
Remember, Jesus cares so much about this. He said, don't leave your offering, leave your gift at the altar and go and make amends with your brother and sister. I know for many of you, it won't be in this building. Probably they're not here, but I really want to encourage you. If you want to love people, love one another as God has loved you, as Christ has loved you, then we've got to deal with some of these things. And God's kindness leads us and people into repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. Let's open up. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would come and have his way with us. Lord God, search our hearts, examine our hearts, bring to mind, Lord God, things that you would want us to put right, not in our own strength, but with your agape love. And I pray, Father, even if... Uh, we can't deal with anything particularly right now in this instant. I pray, Father, there would be a faith exchange, a belief, a commitment, a dedication and devotion to see what is on your heart through for us and maybe somebody else. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.